1: steeler fans it is time once again for another episode of here we go the steelers pregame show and this is a fun one because it's a short week and the steelers could have their first two-game winning streak since january of 2022 alongside me as always is my great friend his name is kt smith still
2: still celebrating that that win on, on monday night uh I, I watched the game obviously on monday night and but you know here at behind the steel curtain we're, we're kind of watching and but we're also working so you're you're kind of writing as you watch and I didn't get a chance to really enjoy it. So when I came home from work on Tuesday, I, uh, I popped on the DVR and, and watched it over again. And it was just a joy to watch a, a, a game that the Steelers really controlled for the most part, other than a, a poor you know stretch in the third quarter there and got to just kind of relive it as a, a fan. And that was, that was a nice experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so nice to see this team win. And Shannon White has been talking the entire time that he's not concerned about wins and losses. He's concerned about baby steps, them making great strides, you know, as they go, not going backwards. And it felt for the first time they're going forward. A lot of people are still on Kenny Pickett. But for me, it's the fact that Kenny Pickett is has not thrown an interception in almost a month. I think his last interception was in the Philadelphia game. And yeah, that's been over a month now. So with that being said, Kevin, maybe you were the reason for the interception. <laughs> I think Kenny Pickett is
2: playing some really good football right now. And I also think the fact that they were so spoiled by Ben Roethlisberger for so long that they don't remember what it's like to have a year through growing pains. Um, I mean, I know that there was a little bit of that in 2019 with Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges, but everybody knew that was temporary. Those guys were just holding the place until Roethlisberger got healthy again. Whereas with Pickett, there's this question as to whether or not he's the future at the position for the Steelers. And I think people forget how hard it is for a rookie quarterback to uh, break into the NFL. Pickett was running oftentimes in training camp as the number three and got really, really limited snaps uh, until he was quite suddenly promoted into the starting lineup in week four. So He's had to grow up on the job, and I just think that in the last few weeks, we've seen him take some significant steps forward in a lot of elements of his
1: game, and I'm really excited at his progression. A lot of people are pointing to the fact that even though the Steelers have scored 20 points or more in the last three games, that Kenny Pickett, even though he's leading the team to scores, but they're saying that his lack of touchdown passes are disconcerting.
2: You can't judge Kenny Pickett this year by his statistics. The numbers going to tell the story is the execution, uh, how he is progressing in terms of his ability to read coverages and, and see things as they unfold his checks that he makes at the line of scrimmage in real time, his mechanics. I think that that's a thing where when, when Pickett misses, sometimes he misses because his mechanics break down a little bit, or he's just a little bit off. And, uh, and those are the things that are really going to tell the story of Kenny Pickett. One area that is an intangible that doesn't show up in the statistics is the leadership uh, role that he's assumed and uh, how his teammates have rallied to him. I think that the team has really responded well to Kenny Pickett. And you can, really, you can see it when you watch the game. I know so many, so many fans are watching uh, what happens between the whistles and totally understandable. But watch Kenny Pickett when he comes off the field watch how he goes over to his teammates and immediately starts to talk to them about what just happened or what he saw and what he expected them to see or how he picks them up after one of them makes a mistake or how he carries himself after he makes his own mistakes. He carries himself and he commands the offense like a veteran. And that's, that stuff is really important for me. That's more important than how many touchdown passes he throws because that's going to tell the story of, the type of leader he's going to become which is just as important as anything he does on the field
1: will he get over this and start throwing more touchdown passes kevin
2: you know that's hard to say obviously uh, some of it you know comes down the Steelers rushed for two touchdowns the other night so there were uh you know situations there where hey maybe they could have thrown the ball you know you get some you get some cheapy touchdowns that pad people's stats you know first and goal in the one and the team calls a little bootleg and they fool the defense and you flick the ball to the tight end for a touchdown and those types of things, you you get some unfortunate things. I mean, there was a pass to Deontay Johnson in, in the game on Monday night that Johnson could have caught for a touchdown and he didn't. I mean, if the Steelers are scoring points, I don't care how how they do it. If they run it in, if they pass it in, however, however it goes, I don't think anybody should be too concerned with that unless you're starting Kenny Pickett in on your fantasy team. Other than that, if the steelers continue to score points uh, at an increasing rate which they've been doing and pickett continues to finish drives one way or another or make the big plays to extend drives then nobody should really worry about how many touchdowns he's thrown
1: how can the fans relax with kenny pickett and know that you know he has to go through these rookie blues take
2: the the game on on monday night steelers are up 16-3 at halftime they probably should have been up by more they had some self-inflicted wounds in the second quarter that kept them from score, from take from, you know, they, they wound up kicking field goals on drives where maybe they score, should have scored touchdowns. Second half starts, and what happens right out of the gate? They give up an 89 yard kick return that leads to an immediate Indianapolis touchdown. And then the offense goes three and out on back to back drives, and Indy drives down the field and they score again. And now they're up 17 16, and they've got the momentum. And the Steelers get the ball back. Their first two plays, they go nowhere, and they're faced with a third and 12 on the verge of going three and out for the third straight time and kicking the ball back to Indy. And Indy's going to have all the momentum in the world. And it just feels like, oh, man, we've seen this before. You know, This happened the, the previous week against Cincinnati. And on that third and 12 play, Kenny Pickett does a really veteran thing. He gets pressure in his face. And rather than panic, rather than rather than run out of the pocket, like he, like he would have done a couple of weeks ago, uh, instead he sort of slides to an open area where he get where he's able to keep his eyes down the field and see the routes develop and he winds up locating George Pickens running a deep crossing route at about you know 15 or 16 yards and Pickens is covered fairly well but Pickett puts the ball out in front of him and and low and away from the defender where only Pickens can get it and he goes down and he makes a nice catch and they move the chains and that drive winds up with a touchdown uh, that that gives the Steelers the, the points that determine the victory. That's a huge play by Kenny Pickett that doesn't really jump out at people because it's not a splash play, but it shows his development. It's, it's him not panicking when he gets pressure in his face. If, if he bails out of the pocket there and he, just, and he just runs outside, he probably has no receivers who he can locate because all the routes are on the opposite side of the field. Uh, the fact that he was mature enough to just slide to an open area so he could keep his eyes down the field and find Pickens is progress. That's the kind of stuff. Uh, and I know it's nuanced and maybe it's not the type of thing that you see in real time, but that's the kind of stuff that fans should be excited about.
1: Kenny Pickett has the same amount of wins as Peyton Manning did in 1998 when he was a rookie. And the next year, the year after that, that team was in the playoffs. I'm talking about the 1999 Indianapolis Colts. We're actually going to see some more wins out of Kenny Pickett in his rookie season. If he ended up with, you know, he did not get the Trubisky win from uh, week one because that's Trubisky's win. He actually uh, did get credit for the Tampa Bay win because he started. But what I'm saying here is if this team ends up eight and nine, especially with now that he is in flux with his offensive yeah. line.
2: One of the biggest ways to help
1: pick it is to be
2: able to run the ball better. And the Steelers are certainly doing that. I mean, they've averaged 160 some yards rushing per game over the last four weeks, which in, in that time, puts him top five in the NFL. And uh, it's no coincidence that Pickett has played better. I mean, the Steelers were pretty good on first down on Monday night. And when you have second and four, second and five, the quarterback's life is a heck of a lot easier than when it's second and 10, second and 12, which we've seen from the Steelers a lot earlier in the season. So that offensive line is playing a huge role in the success of the run game. And the run game is playing a significant role in the
1: success that Pickett's having. Who's the weak link? And I hate to ask this question, but on the offensive line, who needs to put up or shut up now at this point?
2: Well, it's the left side of the line. Dan Moore struggles in both the run game and the pass game. Now he's better. I think he's better in the run game right now. Uh, He seems to be a little bit more a a little more effective when he can just sort of get downhill on guys. But he just he just uh, continues to commit penalties that derail drives, And, and he he's the one who got nailed for the holding call that derailed their second drive of the game after uh, James Pierre's interception set him up in a great field position. So I think he's struggling. I think the Steelers, the last six weeks of the season, I think are going to be a referendum on Dan Moore. Are, are Is he going to be the guy? Or are they going to have to go out and and get another left tackle? And, and if they do that, then you, you have to assume that they're going to try to do it high in the draft. And Kevin Dotson, I think, has struggled a little bit too. I mean, I thought he was better on monday night uh but he at times struggles with communication issues and with with his his technique he's he's such a physical uh player that sometimes he doesn't keep his feet underneath him he gets all his weight for he, he, he tries to get off the ball so fast and he just tries to to bully people and you know the nfl defensive linemen are, are really good man you get you get your hands out in front you get your head out in front they're going to make you miss and you know he's he still has some work to do on his craft so I think those are the two guys where you really need to see the most improvement.
1: If we had a graph of all of the receivers, I'm including the tight ends, would you feel that it would be going up and down or it would be continuously going up? It's and- interesting. That's. I think
2: that I think the receiving corps got, I think that the roles are more clearly defined. I think that what they were doing with Claypool, trying to put him in the slot where he wasn't a natural fit, but then also for the sake of him being on the field as much as they could also rotating him to the outside positions, occasionally putting Pickens and Johnson in the slot. I think that there was just too much shuffling around of guys and that, that you kind of reset or reshuffled the deck a little bit when, when you traded Claypool. And so now while the slot production out of the slot has not been great from Gunnar Olszewski and Steven Sims, those guys are natural slot receivers and, you know, they've been able to do, you know, some subtle things. For example, Olszewski had the key block on Benny Snell's touchdown that gave the Steelers the lead on Monday night. And, uh, and he's willing to do kind of that grunt work. And all night long, Olszewski and, and Sims were yo-yoing back and forth on jet motions and return motions and every motion under the sun, which, you know, we all know that Canada loves. And, you know, and they were nat- you know natural fits to do that. And in and, and doing that, I think that they've allowed for Pat Fryermuth to flourish in the middle of the field a little bit more, he's been pretty good uh, the last few weeks, and they've let Pickens and Johnson play outside, where I think those guys are best suited. So, so as far as it being a graph, uh, you know, I think that the that the projection is up, but I think it's up in large part because the Claypool trade allowed them to get guys in the right places.
1: Did they trade the right receiver,
2: Kevin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, that yeah. if Chicago wanted Chase Claypool and not Deontay Johnson, and they uh, uh, then they traded the right receiver because every week we should be rooting for the Steelers to win and the Bears to lose. Because right now, right now the Bears uh, are doing us a favor. That 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 Bears pick in the second round is looking better and better uh, with each Chicago loss. So in that sense. If it's a means to an end, and and the end is a is a a high high pick in the second round, then they traded the right guy. But if the question is, did they trade the right receiver on what that what they could do for the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's a trickier question because uh, I'm you know I'm by no means a hater. You don't you don't hear me come on. You are not this. No, you don't hear me come on the show and badmouth guys. I mean. I, I realize that these, these guys are living their NFL, their dreams, man. And I have great respect for every guy that's made it to the league. It's the dream of everybody that, that had ever put on pads. Uh, and I want them all to succeed. I'm frustrated with Deontay Johnson. I, he just continues to make lazy mistakes. And he continues with, the, with sort of the subtle body language when, he, when, when things don't go his way. You know, demonstrate that to me, he's just not a real mature football player. And that frustrates me, a world of talent, a ton of talent, man. He's, he runs phenomenal routes. We all know, we all know the things that he does well, but I'm just kind of waiting for him to turn the corner and be more of a professional. And he's not there yet. Just like Kenny Pickens is nowhere near Ben Roethlisberger yet, but Pickett more and more when the Steelers need a play, he's looking at George Pickens. And that's interesting considering that Johnson still has the most targets on the team, but it seems like
1: in big moments, Pickens draws Pickett's attention. Absolutely. That's some great stuff. Uh, Great analysis from a coach. That's why you're here. We appreciate it so much.
0: play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. There
1: I am on the subway train. Sit the two Welcome back to the second half of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Kevin Smith is along with me, Brian Anthony Davis, as we go ahead and we talk about, well, we've already talked about the Steelers and the big win against Indianapolis. I guess you could call it a big win. And what we're going to do now is talk about the Steelers trying to string together a winning streak. Just two would be enough to call a winning streak, Kevin. What do you say?
2: Well. well- <laughs>
1: Only won four games. It's hard to string
2: string them together. So, uh, but this is a really winnable game down in, in Atlanta, and I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the Steelers can do. You know, it's funny. I was I was trying to think before we went on uh, in tonight on the show. I was trying to think of memorable Steelers versus Falcons games. And I really couldn't come up with any. I I, I keep thinking, boy, you, you could probably name just about any team in the NFL. And I could conjure up a memorable game over the years between them and the Steelers. And and I was really struggling to come up with a memorable Steelers-Falcons game. Do you, do you, can you think of any?
1: <laughs> so, yes, I do. I have six. And I could have had more. Actually, you're forgetting three right away. Just right away. Okay, that you should on. know. One is the 34-34 tie.
2: Yeah, was that the year that they beat Cleveland when
1: they were down by so many points? Yes, back, in the,
2: in the snow. Out. In the snow. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and then you have the year after the Super Bowl, 2006, and Michael Vick was just on fire and Big Ben got knocked out of the game. So that's another one in 2006. In 2010, and it goes into overtime, I believe Richard Mendenhall wins it with a 50 yarder. There's a great game that none of us are going to remember from 1966. And, you know, one that I include in there is 1987. It was the very first replacement game. I actually think that these two teams match up really well. It's just, it's every four years and it seems like forever.
2: I vaguely remember the Michael Vick game, but the other one's not, not so much. So it's interesting. I mean, some, some opponents have this sort of. Uh, you just, even though you don't see them very often, you you feel like there's a rivalry there. I kind of feel that way with the Saints, and I, maybe it's just uniforms. Who knows the similarities of the uniforms or whatever it might be. But I feel that way with 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 a lot of different teams. But I just have never really felt that way with the Falcons. But but this is a winnable game. I mean, the the Falcons are are like the Steelers in some respects. They're they're yeah. When you look at like their rankings, they're they're both teams are you know relatively similar, and they're they're both in the mid twenties. Uh, in terms of total offense and total defense and scoring. I mean, Atlanta scores a, a few more points a game than the Steelers, but they also give up a few more points a game. And uh they've got, you know, quarterbacks who who have you know some similar styles. I mean, Mariota p- pocket uh, Pickett is more of a pocket guy than Mariota, but they're they still uh are are relatively similar. I actually kind of thought Marcus Mariota would be a good free agent signing for the Steelers in the offseason to be the stock gap. You know, so like, and, and it's interesting too, because Dave Argonne, the Falcons offensive coordinator coached Mitch Trubisky in Chicago when Trubisky had some success there and now is coaching Mariota. So you sort of see how, you know, Mariota could have fit in, in Pittsburgh. So yeah, there's a lot of similarities here between these teams.
1: I really like this team. I like Drake London on the offensive side of the ball. It seems like he is probably going to break out in his second year but who on the offensive side of the ball worries you yeah, the most I, the guy who worries me the most is not going to be playing which you
2: know i it's his misfortune and you know you don't root for for injuries but Kyle Pitts is a is a specimen and after the uh the struggles the Steelers had covering the tight end on Monday night in Indianapolis he mm-hmm. would have been a, a major concern you know the tight ends always worry me uh, you know Atlanta's got a tight end Parker Hess, who's not bad uh, my Cole Pruitt and Anthony Ferkser are two guys they signed from the Titans who are neither one's a dangerous tight end. But it it seems like offense is like this, like Atlanta's offense, which is a, a heavy play action offense. They always want to get the ball to the tight ends. And if they look at what happened on Monday night, they they could certainly say, hey, let's let's look at some ways that Indianapolis got the ball to their tight ends and see if we can do some similar things. I mean, Cordero Patterson, the running back, uh, who's wonderfully still wearing number 84. I love that. He can still do some good things and they don't have a, a star. They don't have a guy who makes you immediately say, oh, we got a game plan for him. But when they're when they're at their best, they're really spreading the ball around and and kind of getting it to all their guys. So I, I think that that's the thing you, you worry about is is uh, can they get into a rhythm whereby
1: they're just sort of taking what the Steelers are giving them and spreading the football around. Would you agree that Cordero Patterson is probably one of the most dangerous return men in all of football? I would. And I also just, uh, after watching Monday night,
2: my gosh, it's for Indianapolis was, was going to go the distance. Even, even some of the ones in the first half, uh, they looked like they were just sort of a, a step or two away from, from breaking out. You know, that's where you miss Chris Boswell. You just say, man, can't we just kick the ball into into the end zone like everybody else does and 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 have him take the, take it up to 25 but with Boswell out? That only happened once on Monday night. So, you worry obviously about kicking it to Patterson because his history certainly suggests that he's one of the best return guys in the league.
1: Absolutely. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, Kevin. Who's dangerous there?
2: Well, before I answer that question, let me let me quickly uh give a shout out to a local guy playing for the Falcons uh Abdullah Anderson is starting at nose tackle for them yeah, I mean he was in he was in camp with the Steelers last year he was he was around Pittsburgh for a little bit but um but he's a local guy he went to Absagami High School which is just about 20 minutes from from where I live and they're a, they're a rival of the 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 school where I coach we play them every year and he's a cool story. He had never played football until his senior year in high school. He was a basketball guy, you know, big guy, six foot five, and he was tall and pretty thin, but a really good athlete. And, and Absigami's head coach at the time, a guy, a guy named Dennis Scuderi, who I know pretty well. Dennis, uh, you know, just kind of plucked him out of the hallway. He was just recruiting the hallways, looking for athletes to to come play football. And he, he kind of plucked Abdullah Anderson out of the hallway and got him into the weight room and put about 20, 25 pounds on him and made him a tight end and a defensive end. And he just took off and uh, wound up uh, going to Bucknell, which is, you know, an, a smaller FCS school and absolutely, you know, crushed it in the weight room and turned himself in, from a skinny basketball player into a NFL nose tackle. So that's a pretty cool story. And I'm happy to see him having some some success at, uh, in Atlanta. But you know he's surrounded by some good players. You know Grady Jarrett, the the veteran defensive end's been good, and they've got some good linebackers. Rashawn Evans, I really like Lorenzo Carter, uh, the the young linebacker from from Georgia. They're fast. They're a fast defense. Uh, they're not an they're not an exceptionally large defense, but they they run to the ball well. Uh, they're they're a base three four, and and uh, they'll blitz a lot and they'll move around. I think they'll show Pickett a lot of a lot of looks, and they'll. They'll blitz him and come at him from a bunch of different angles. It'll be a different look for him than last week's look, which was you know Gus Bradley's defense. They like to kind of sit back
1: in zone. He, Pickett's going to see a much more aggressive Atlanta defense uh, this week. All right, that's really interesting. I, plucking from the hallway is that something that you've had good experience with? We I, yeah, I'm a big believer in guys that you know guys should play multiple
2: sports. I'm a big multi sport you know advocate that it, that especially for younger kids when you specialize. I just don't, I think you suscept yourself to injury. I think you should be coached by different types of coaches. You should exert yourself in different types of sports and use different muscles in your body. So I'm always trying to get guys, you know, especially those basketball guys, because they're, they're good athletes. And I'm just going to focus on basketball. I, I hate when, when people talk about that, I, my, my line for like, you know, the six foot three high school kid who's playing basketball and and quote unquote focusing on basketball, my line is always like, look, if you're six three as a basketball player to be a scholarship kid, you better be uh, a stud point guard or an absolute sharpshooter because you're playing guard. And a lot of those six three kids in high school are, are playing power forward, but in football at six three, I mean, man, you you got a world of positions right, that you can play. You know, so we, we constantly try and do that, but we're living in a different world from the world you and you and I grew up in, Brian. You know, everybody kind of played multiple sports back in the day but these days you know there's a lot of pressure on kids to specialize get on an AAU team hire your own personal coach your own personal trainer so that you can you know focus on pitching or you know lacrosse or whatever your thing might be and so uh so so we try man but not always with a lot of success
1: let's get back to this game how do you see it shaping up Kevin Well,
2: full disclosure, I have been spectacularly wrong in most of my picks for
1: for this year's Steelers team. It's not hard to do. uh,
2: You know, every time I feel optimistic, they've let me down. And every time I felt like they're going to, you know, author uh, another stink bomb, they've they've played really well. Uh, So I'm going to proceed with caution here. I, I feel fairly optimistic about this matchup for the Steelers, even though they're coming off a short week. I just see them improving in in several areas. I see them just getting better on offense, which is exciting. Uh, you know, they're, they're holding the ball longer. Their time of possession, the last couple of weeks has been pretty good. You know, I, I see them getting healthier on defense and, and improving as they do. And, you know, Atlanta is a beatable team. They're, you know, they lost pits and they don't have any guys that that really excel mariotta is a guy who has struggled with consistency issues for his entire career uh he's got accuracy issues i mean his completion percentage is is around 62 percent which back in the day was excellent but in today's game is pretty low uh and he's a guy that i think occasionally can get fooled by coverages and, and i think he's a quarterback who the Steelers, you know should do a pretty good job containing so I feel pretty good. I feel like this is a a winnable game for the Steelers.
1: You know, I really do as well. And I felt like the Indianapolis game kind of felt like it was a slam dunk. And then I'm like, oh, Brian, you were wrong (laughs) when I saw that third quarter. But it all got better. it all got better because you had a couple candidates for dude of the week. So let's get it. Who are you thinking dude of the week? And I have a feeling we might be thinking the same guy this week.
2: Okay. All right. Well, so, uh, I mean, I had a a few thoughts on this and, um, but I, but in the end I sort of, uh, I settled on Benny Snell football. You know, I was, I was so excited to see Benny Snell come in, in relief, so to speak of, of Najee Harris. And when Harris got injured and Snell had to sort of carry the load and, and he got an assist from Anthony McFarland who looked pretty good too. Um, I just thought that it, that that he took advantage of his opportunity. I mean, one one of the things that uh, will determine somebody's future in the NFL often is when you get your shot, what do you do with it? And and Benny Snell made the most of his. I thought that he was he looked quicker and and more decisive. That was the, one of the things. I think I think if you think back to Benny Snell's rookie year, one of the things that used to drive me crazy would be he'd kind of pitter patter, pitter patter, and then run into the backs of his linemen. He just did not ever seem to be able to find the cuts and he he was much more decisive on on monday night so he's my
1: guy who do you got well you know how i have no problem telling you when i'm wrong i'm also going to tell you when i'm right but i was wrong well for one week i was wrong and i go with All right. benny Snell Jr Excellent. as well yeah i mean i just you know when you
2: think about when you think about you know what he was able to do you know one of the things we talked about with benny Snell is like he's never been great when he only gets three or four touches a game he's never been the guy who just doesn't he need he needs the workload you know in order to sort of see the cuts and get into a rhythm et etc but he came out of the gate he looked good from the get-go and you know i, I was impressed with that i mean he, he's a guy obviously who stayed sharp even though he hadn't gotten any game time
1: like i said i have no problem having egg on my face because yeah egg tastes good every once in a while and <laughs> i'm glad that he did well kevin so
2: so hey brian let me do can i do something real quick you can let me, uh, let me send out a, a, a side shout out here uh, since we're talking about dude of the week. So we had a, a powder puff football tournament at our school last week, which is uh, you know like the junior girls and the senior girls all play flag football for charity and, and they claim a winner. And, and they, you know, they got different teachers to come out and, and, and coach the different teams. I was coaching the team. Our assistant principal, Jerry Brown, so I'm going to give a shout out to our assistant principal Jerry Brown. He may even be listening because I know he he follows us here at Behind the Steel Curtain. Jerry Brown is a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Jerry Brown was a heck of a football player back in the day. He he played at uh, Woodrow Wilson High School in in Camden, New Jersey, and then earned a full scholarship to LSU and played at LSU, uh, where he was a defensive back in the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, he played down there with uh, with Carl Dunbar, who's the Steelers defensive ta- or defensive line coach now, and was coached by uh, by Mike Archer and some other guys that eventually wound up on the Steelers staff. But anyway, Jerry Brown came out to the Powderpuff game to coach his team on uh, last week rocking a, a Micah Fitzpatrick jersey. And I, nice. and I just thought to myself, you know, Jerry Brown is the man. So a shout-out to you, Dr. Brown, if you're listening, and I uh, appreciate everything you do for our students at Ocean City High School.
1: Kudos, Jerry Brown. That is great. It is great to have somebody on the administration side it's great to be a Steeler fan, but no, just taking care of the program no matter what team you root for. So now, so Kevin, I want to go ahead and give another dude of the week out. Have you ever had somebody related to you? You considered family, even though they weren't blood, but they were always around at every event.
2: I have, I have friends, I, a good friend of mine uh, growing up had, had an uncle, Uncle Phil who I always just thought was his uncle. And I it was probably, I was probably 40 years old when I found out that he wasn't. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, that was just a family friend. I was for 40 years. I thought that was your actual uncle, but I, I, I never had that myself.
1: Well, my mom always laughs because, uh, our kids call everybody uncle and aunt. And like how many uncles and aunts do they have? Cause I only have one sister, you know? So, but I want to talk about the very first house I lived in, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, 171 Cell Street, I can even tell you the address, even though I probably I hardly remember that house whatsoever. But that was in the day of a lot of double houses, duplexes, and the people next door were the parents were named Chick and Donnie. And Chick's mother was one of my grandmother's best friends. And her husband was named Donnie Verbano. And Donnie was one of those guys that every event he was there. I mean, like this was the Italian. Everybody, I guess all the Italians stuck together in those days. And, and he was always around and you would go somewhere and he was there. He would light up a room. He was just the happy person there. Well, I just got word this morning that Donnie passed away at the age of 88. And if you looked at him, he looked like 58. And I, I just want to shout out to, uh, to his son, Chris, Donnie passed away yesterday and I want to give him a dude of the week because I tell you what, not family, but sometimes you're closer to people that aren't family. And to me, he was family. So uh God bless right, you. Rest cool. in peace, Donnie. Cool. And, uh, we should all be so lucky. Thank you so much. So, and Donnie was a big Steeler fan too, as well. So wanted to bring that up. So for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been behind the steelcurtain.com. I know you're just not listening to this show. I know you're checking out other shows like this morning. You had Jeff Hartman on Let's Ride. Last night, you had the preview with Jeff, myself, and Dave Schofield. You also have some great stuff like yesterday, another what Ian's talking about with Kyle Kreiss and Greg Benevent. There was a Steeler Stat Geek with Dave. We have so much stuff coming up this weekend. You can't stop listening because you're going to miss something profound, and it's all completely different. So we are out of here. Kevin, I'm going to say this once. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
3: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>